like a clown, no notes, all pages Bagging, boarding Batman in the gutter like a Macy Storytellers, we some fellas, we some felons Isn't amazing, Zacapella, Vericella Cause this shit is so contagious Mouse on the summaries, compiler, got the show While the cycle spitting knowledge on the Yeti like a pro Keep the babble, we the rabble, don't step to the squad We get active, and haters like a cephalopod You don't like fish talk? Do you hate a tomato? We the cuttlefish killers, tentacles on the tape Greatest five stars if you cherish your life Bucky Barnes hit squad spraying lead in your pipe Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of It's Just as Bad, It's Just as Bad, best ever. I'm your host, Professor Miles Ridge, as always, by this evening, Cosmo, and joined as never by a guest, a good guest. This is one of our good guests, unlike our bad guests. <laughs> no, it's not Prince B you hear, bees. It's Teddy! Oh, are we... Uh... Ah, why the crowd goes wild. wild. Yeah, it's fantastic to have you with us. Um, I think we're going to be having Teddy on more frequently. Um, he's the everyone else wants to send us emails to us at, at, at is this just bad at gmail.com. No, I uh, took feel free to do so. about uh, about getting off of social media to heart. I don't follow y'all on any social media. That's great. We don't post on social media, but you can still email us. And for a while, Teddy was the only one doing it. And now he's here. So look at that. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 as you can imagine, social media, given today's topic, has been uh, just a fountain of positivity. Uh, it's like campaigns to get James Gunn fired, uh, tarred, feathered, and thrown into the Boston Harbor. Just like if there's pandemonium happening out there, and I would like to start off the podcast by celebrating the fact that the DC universe has a plan. Huzzah! <laughs> Doesn't even have to be a good plan. Just yeah. a plan. They they finally have Man of Steel. This is the 10-year anniversary of Man of Steel. And they finally have a plan. Is that true? Or has it been 10 years since I dragged you to see that god-awful movie? <laughs> I believe it came out in 2013. Yeah, I think I was in my first year of graduate school. Uh, and, what, and you, you know, hyped up Man of Steel. You said it's, it's very good. Let's go watch it. And I almost snored my ass off during that fucking terrible movie. Um, now that we have Teddy here, what are your... Because we've talked ad nauseum about these goddamn DC movies. Sure, to- sure too much what's your take on the dcu in general and then I'll, I'll i'll poke you about some specific films because i think we have diverging opinions on some of that namely probably aquaman but probably are... yeah uh so what what what's your take on the, like the general sort of dc uh snyderverse sort of and it, even past the snyderverse into like the batman and the joker movie and shit like that Sure. Well, I think the best thing about James Gunn taking over is the fact that he's been able to not only take the Marvel kind of formula and understand, all right, this is how they've branded it, but he he's doing the same thing that he did with both Peacemaker and the Suicide Squad. Literally looking at the Suicide Squad, he added a the and he decided, hey, 90% of the people from the last movie, uh, excuse me, spoilers, ain't going to make it past the first five minutes. So that's the yay positive portion. However, 
I'm still incredibly hesitant until I actually see the finished products come out because we've seen so much turnover with the D with Warner brothers in general. I think well, uh, as of now we've gone through five heads of DC since the 2013 man of steel. Uh, and it's, yeah. If we're looking at the, if we're looking at it purely through, well, these older folks were all seasoned television and movie executives. None of them lasted. While I have high hopes for James Gunn, I'm not going to put all those eggs in one basket because again, we've seen this type of thing before. This is a really great point. I think though what we haven't seen is a official plan like laid out in a kevin feige style announcement mm -hmm. but as we know from kevin feige style announcements sometimes that stuff never comes out sometimes that stuff comes out four years later was it maybe it was certainly pre-pandemic i went mouse and i sat down in his studio and walked through a phase a marvel phase announcement and talked about blade we are still waiting for Blade. So you make an excellent point. Like, this is very exciting to what James Gunn has planned. But will any of it actually happen? I think what we can say, and we'll, we'll watch this announcement in a second, there's a couple of these projects that are actually actively in development. And James Gunn is writing them, and they've got real teams attached to them. And ordinarily, I would say, all of that is going to actually happen but, you know, we live in unprecedented times and Batgirl was finished and didn't happen. So yeah. it's nice to have a plan. Yeah. I'm just going to live in a in a bubble of of ignorance and positivity and assume this stuff is going to actually uh, come out there. And the I mean, this might be apocryphal, but I, I'm pretty sure this is true that when they decided to make Batman versus Superman, it was like to make an announcement at Comic-Con in 2013. Like, they had just done Man of Steel, and they didn't really have anything planned. They probably should have announced Man of Steel 2, or the Man of Tomorrow, the, you know, the thing that Zack Snyder said he always wanted to make, but never got a chance to make because he dived directly into Batman v Superman and, and Justice League. And by all accounts, Warner Brothers was on board at that point. And, you know, bringing Batman immediately into the fold a year after the Dark Knight Rises, like they just wanted to keep the momentum going, not really thinking about what they had pot committed to with Man of Steel. Like that's a singular vision, a singular guy. And so it, it, everything just happened backwards. So it took 10 years of, you know, films of varying degrees of success, both critically and commercially for them to finally realize that uh, one also a merger with a, a bigger, better, well-run di discovery company and like lawsuits and all this shit and a pandemic for them to be like, let's, let's be intentional about this instead of, <laughs> So Instead I want to pick up on, Teddy, what you're saying about all of these people were seasoned TV and movie executives. Mm -hmm. And weirdly, that might be the problem. Because to your point here, the Batman versus Superman felt uh, King Kong versus... Those are both properties. And I think part of the um, old school Hollywood look at this is, 
What are the diamond properties? What are the names people recognize? We don't have any interest in developing unknown things that don't have an established audience. We're just going to keep churning out Batman and Superman movies forever. And there isn't a broader plan. And Gunn, to his credit, is a huge geek, understands what worked at Marvel, which is nobody cared about Captain America and Iron Man before they made these movies. You just have to kind of build that, build it out. And so coming from a, hey, we should probably build these the way we have a blueprint to, which is what the comics already look like, um, might not occur to someone who is used to making movies. Sure. I would also say that I think, oddly enough, I think those executives, again, to your point, building off of what you're saying, those executives didn't necessarily look at what they already had. They looked mm -hmm. at, oh, well, we need to treat this like we're doing every other kind of almost monolith. But DC's never had one. Like Marvel, like I know we're so inundated after what the Marvel Universe started in mid 2000s maybe 2007 2008 like, i want to yeah. say they did that's invented in the genre of movies but the thing that dc has always had at its back is the fact that berlanti for what 10 years along alongside of it built an entire cinematic uh, uh, uh television universe uh and also all of the writers at the the comic book movie level like the animated features from the designs and the way James Gunn has presented at least himself on Twitter and some of his, the way he presented Peacemaker and talked about it. It sounds like one of the biggest things he had was the thing that Marvel had failed at, which is the fact that they've had serialized weekly properties that worked on the long scale. When we, when we break down what Berlant the Berlanti verse did, it brought a whole bunch of people the idea of who Oliver, well, of their version of Oliver Queen, which was basically just Batman. Mm -hmm. They were just like, oh, yeah, let's do Batman. Let's do, uh, oh, the Flash. That's kind of weird. Does anybody kind of care? Eh, let's do a Flash. There hasn't been any of these miniseries that for a little while Netflix and Marvel was trying to bank on. The only long-term, I think, Marvel show was the... Uh, was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And even that, what, it's been off the air for five years at this point? Yeah, that's actually a really good point, is that um, the Berlanti-verse precedes the MCU and is only ending now um, and has just been kind of churning along in the background, and it's got a big fan base. Now, it's a much smaller budget. It's much lower risk. Uh, but I think you're totally right that there is already a blueprint and the animated films have been traditionally really high quality in the DC uh, on they're all now all on HBO Max for now, I guess. Um, there is. Yeah, there's there's stuff there. So this is a really good segue into James Gunn's announcement. So just I, as background, I just did want to make a point, though, about talented TV and movie people, because let's not forget Kevin Feige's background. I mean, this like it's not a secret. Kevin Feige's first production credit was what? Does anybody know? Not no, I don't. I think it is a secret to us. X-Men. Ever oh. heard of it? <laughs> he was a daily producer on Spider-Man. Ever heard of it? Mm -hmm. like, 
this is not this was never a fucking secret. He is a classic, like institutional production. Like the reason that Sam Raimi got on Doctor Strange is because, as he put it, my old friend Kevin Feige called me and asked me to direct the movie. Like there are a bunch of people who've been involved in superhero movies since literally the beginning mm. that DC just like bucked everything like is this is your worst your friend with the worst instincts trying to do something very ambitious and then you being like why are you reinventing the wheel like there are several people resources ideas that you can use to make this at the very least mediocre. Like they couldn't even do that. They yeah. couldn't do like a formulaic, like, all right, well, let's get the other producer on X-Men. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is a good point. This is a concept I wanted to bring up as we go into this video and talk about this is um, poaching trees, basically. Cause you'd, you'd see this in the NFL too, of following who used to work for Bill Belichick and who used to work for Andy Reid and yes. watching them go off to coach their own teams. And it's the same idea of the comic book writers of following uh, Grant Morrison and then Mark Millar and like who worked with Grant Morrison and then watching them move on onto other books and seeing sort of the um, the knowledge trees of talent and as these people grow and the fact that you know the movie world works exactly the same way um, but the fact that WB never thought to tap into that at all until just now. Um, and finally, they're basically doing what an NFL team does, which is find somebody from Andy Reid's coaching tree right. and hire him to be the head coach of our team. Yeah. Hire James Gunn, who's been making superhero and superhero adjacent films for years, um, both weird, dark ones and mainstream Marvel ones. He's been in the building. He's seen the way the offensive line gets coached mm. and bring him in and have him be the new head coach for our team. It seems obvious, but what's something that's really interesting that Gunn is doing that nobody else at Warner Brothers has done until now is specifically pointing to this movie and this project that I'm about to announce is based on this specific run of comics. Yes. So he's mm -hmm. doing the coaching three tree thing to one to build fan interest, but also to be like, I get it. Mm -hmm. I'm not just like we're making a Batman movie. No, no, no. We're making a movie based on this specific run because I'm friends with all these people. And he posted on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, him sitting in front of uh, like a cup of coffee and all star Superman and Grant Morrison. And he were chatting on Twitter. So like he gets it in a way that nobody else has. Yeah. So. Speaking of coaching trees, one last thought about this to, as context. Berlanti has just signed a new overall deal with Warner Brothers. Berlanti will be with Warner Brothers forever, probably. It's like another five-year deal or something. However, it seems like Berlanti is also, as part of that deal, ceded control of all things DC. So Zaslav, uh, when the, he hired Gunn and Shafran, 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 yeah. yeah, Safran, thank you. Hired them, hired them under the idea of you get everything. DC is yours. And so Berlanti is going to make rom-coms and shit. Rom-coms. Yeah, basically going to do his little like queen romance things, I guess. Um, but appears to have walked away or been locked out of DC. Um, so context. And then when we get into these projects, there's a couple of other you follow the coaches that I want to point out. 
Yeah. So uh, we're going to very quickly, because we haven't done the Nickelodeon award-winning segment yet, uh, Trash or Good, we're going to do a sort of a mini speed run Trash or Good of the original slate of DC movies uh, to particularly just get Teddy's take on these. Um, I think we've talked about each one of these, sadly, <laughs> on the show <laughs> or dedicated a three-hour episode to each one of them. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've listened to a few of y'all's episodes on some of these movies. And I apologize for the Aquaman episode. <laughs> why, why, why talk about that for more than five minutes? That movie. <laughs> rude. Friggin' rude. Okay. Uh, Man of Steel came out June 14th, 2013. Look at that. Trash or good, Teddy? Trash or good? Man of Steel. Trash or good? Uh, it's, it's not even hot. It's not the type of hot garbage that I generally like to indulge in. So it's, it's, it's more like mid-level bat. We'll put it bathroom trash can, like not main event in the kitchen, but like, you know, still kind of trash, but not like, not like you're at the, you know, uh, wizards game and it's the end and people are trying to get to their cars, tra- like, Right. It, it's not a mountain on top of the trash can. Yes. Okay. Now this is like the you know, you put the um the recycling, like the cans in the dishwasher first. They're still trash. Right. You know, they're pretty they're clean, they're slick, they're yeah. recyclable, but it's still trash. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You forgot really moody and uh just sad the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> you run the dishwasher, you open it, everything's shattered inside. <laughs> it's all kind of melted. Yeah. Have uh, uh tears for fears playing in the background. Okay, so this is like you're, you're you're this is like light trash. Yes, light trash. So Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice took three years for them to make that. That's shocking to me. Wow. Just, this is good. I'm an apologist for this so. movie. This one is good, but only if you watch the extra thirty minutes of the uncut version. I still have not done that. I watched. I. Uh, it's it's. The editing is so bad. Like I can't like it's not a movie, it's a highlight reel. Yeah. It's a highlight reel, a really great highlight reel. It's three hours long and it should be twenty-seven parts on YouTube, but yeah. It uh, it, it should be a, a long, long season of television. <laughs> yes. Uh so what's your verdict? T or G? Uh I'll give it I'll I'll give it another T. God, we haven't gotten a G yet. I think we might get one in the, with this next film. This next film might be, I'm going to call this the Dark Horse <laughs> Good. Suicide Squad. 2016's David Ayer's Suicide Squad. Is it a T or G? Trash or good? Marijuana <laughs> couldn't make that better. Like, just being stoned didn't make that better. It was very bad. So we're, we'll go trash there. Okay, I think I think we're gonna get our first G here. Wonder Woman, number one, Jeez. good, solid, yes. good. First solid, one is good, solid, good. Like a good movie that is good. And I say that redundantly yes. just to be like, what a shock after that those three movies that you go to see a movie and it's a good movie that's good and you walk out feeling like, you know, happy. Yeah, this, I didn't have to put like a ton of qualifiers on it. I didn't have to be like, well, you know, from the certain lens or if you watch an extra half hour, that's not in the theatrical cut or like, you know, you squint a little bit and get it really high. Like, no, it's just it's just a fine movie. Yep. <laughs> OK, Justice League. This is the original theatrical release of the Justice League. Oh, uh, 
I love Justice League as the name for it. That's very clever. As trash. Trashy as the filters they put on top of it. Yeah, big, big, big piece of trash. Uh, Aquaman, 2018's Aquaman. I, I'm going to put a big old G there. I don't I, think I remember this movie. <laughs> we, did a, uh, we did an episode longer than the runtime of the movie dedicated to this movie. <laughs> Uh, it was so bad. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I mean, it was just like watching. It, the reason I was mad at Aquaman, not to open up this can of worms it again, but the reason I was mad at Aquaman was just because I felt like I could have watched it on the CW. Like, I didn't feel like James Wan made a movie that deserved a theatrical release. And then I was shocked subsequently by making $1 billion. Like, good for them. There was just something about the movie that, that didn't quite stick with me uh shazam 2019 shazam oh, before we move on coaching tree note we go in two different directions here one yeah jeff johns is all over this movie jeff johns um we haven't heard a lot about in james gunn's announcements we should keep an eye on that moving forward he may be get, getting cut out as well what is very interesting here peter saffron producer for aquaman and shazam um oh, which seem to be some of the um, only survivors of the gunverse coming into being. Yeah, and we talked... I'd also... Oh, sorry, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and we talked about this a little bit too, It it's interesting how, again, not, not to reinvent the wheel, they got James Wan, who was the architect of the Conjuring universe, and has spun out several different horror universes working with Peter Safran, right? And so these are people who are used to orchestrating a lot of moving pieces. And then they hire David F. Sandberg, who I believe wrote uh, oh, either an Annabelle movie or a Conjuring movie, is a part of also the... Con so now in 2018, DC, whoever is the head at that time, I think maybe Walter Hamada, hires the Conjuring people to come in and be like, can you establish some continuity in this universe that doesn't have any? Yeah, uh, so this is their first attempt at this, and what's so strange is that they immediately cancel Juan's ideas for like a trench movie, which was going to be, um, again, probably a, good, a bad idea, so I see why they canceled it, but it's horror-themed. It was one of uh, Jeff John's post-Brightest Day ideas about like a bunch of um, anglerfish people. Oh. that are a villainous race uh, villains in the Aquaman stories. And because he's a horror, horror creator, it's like, I want to do like a horror focused trench movie. And despite the fact that they hired all of these conjuring folks to make their continuity, they went, no, we don't want that. There's so like, why'd you hire these coaches? If you're going to not agree with their strategy, dude, there's something so cool about going just like into depths of the ocean that we like, we've never been to. And what for a horror director how many kinds of different creatures you can make that can mm -hmm. only survive in that darkness with that pressure it would have been uh, probably impossible to 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 get a pg rating for it just be like fucking crazy uh shazam is that a t or a g a trash or is it a good good i'm putting it with the good yeah yeah, that was a good movie. Uh, to to this day, still one of the saddest scenes in all of superhero movies is when his mom rejects him at the door. It's like crazy that that's in that movie. It's like that move that part of uh, Gremlins where Phoebe Cates is like, and that's 
I saw Santa kill my father, and that's why I don't like Christmas. That is a true thing. Google it. Uh, birds of pre- or birds of prey. T or G. T or G. Almost I forgot. Oh, about. geez. So Good. many G's. Yeah, GG. I'm but, still bitter about it, actually. <laughs> I mean, this movie is so good. Like, you have uh, Journey Smollett, uh, obviously Margot Robbie. You have Mary Elizabeth Winstead. You have Ewan McGregor. It's so fun. It's so good. I forgot that that was a part of, like, the DCEU. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, and I wonder that this movie... So we're getting into... This was potentially a casualty of the pandemic. So this release yeah. is February 7th, 2020. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. comes out, and then there was going to be like a bunch of people started arguing about it because they hate women or something. I don't know. It was a good movie. It was fun. We enjoyed it. And then the world shut down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think this one may have gotten review bombed. Not sure. Um, Wonder Woman 1984. Trash or good? Is this? Okay. It's We all probably think this one's trash, right, Teddy? Just Yes, yeah. 100%. Um, is this the worst movie on this list? It is to me the most like politically reprehensible movie. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know if it's like so for so I don't I can't then d- d- divorce that from why right. I hate it so much. Yeah, uh, but even even without that, I think this might be the worst movie on this list. Just thinking about like the bizarre uh, monkey's paw conceit, the like CG for Kristen Wiig as Cheetah. Also, that casting did no her absolutely no favors. This movie is horrendous. Like I, I'm thinking in my um, I'm, this is the exercise I'm doing. And I want you to do it with me. Would you rather rewatch if you had to Suicide Squad or Wonder Woman 84? I'd rewatch Suicide Squad in a heartbeat. Yeah. Suicide Squad. There's no movie on here that I would like. Uh, there's no movie. I don't Maybe think Justice League, but like even then. I would rewatch Justice League way before I watched Wonder Woman 84. Because at least that movie has an interesting failure instead of just like one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Um, Wonder Woman 94 is interesting because you you, you pair it with Shazam. Shazam, they're both very self-consciously doing 80s tropes. But where Shazam is doing like 80s monster movie and big and these like kind of kids movies fantasy tropes. Wonder Woman chooses all of the worst like Reaganomics, Red Scare yeah, like uh, you put the glasses on the already a conventionally attractive woman to like pretend that she's not attractive, like very <laughs> stupid tropes. Yeah, um, that when you realize by the end of the movie that it's like this bizarre imperialist you know parable or something, they're not doing it ironically. They just made a movie that should have come out in 1984 and would right. have already been racist and terrible then, and they just made it in 2020. Instead, starring somebody who was actively a part of the IDF, quote unquote, liberating small brown children from an isolationist Middle Eastern country is just it's just one of those things where that sentence I didn't have to invent. It was just a thing. Monolith of a company to go, 
you know, maybe that's not a good idea is also baffling. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh God, I just scrolled to, to all the way to hell. Okay. Um speaking of hell, uh Zack Snyder's Justice League. So this is the Snyder cut. This is my begrudging good. I finally understand what you do, sir. No, thank you. It was a really good miniseries. If, if watching it in an hour and a half chunks made it far better. Yeah, you just got to stop it every time there's a title break. They even have title breaks. The fact that they didn't cut it up and but, put them as episodes is yeah. baffling to me. But the fact that the aspect ratio is a fucking box, give me a break. It, that shit, and they don't let you change it either. So you have to watch. <laughs> You have to watch this like tiny fucking thing to see this messianic story because he wanted it to mimic like comic book panels or whatever the fuck. I mean, he just was like the. She doesn't even do well. (laughs) He doesn't even do it well. He's like the dipshittiest like art school kid who's like, I'm gonna shoot it in four three because it's comics and comics are like panels and panels are like squares. And you're like, okay, Zach, just you know, just just sit in the corner, bro. (laughs) We'll see you at lunch. Uh, but yeah, this is like, this is the culmination, I think, of his career where I go, I understand what you do. You do it efficiently. And, and I, I hate it. And he's the best at what he does. What he does isn't very nice. <laughs> uh, the suicide squad. Now we're getting somewhere. Capital gold G. This is a fantastic movie. Uh, I mm. did rewatch this film. I watched this. This is, that's the only movie I've watched twice on this list. Uh, and I know the cosmologist watched Man of Steel twice because I was there the second time. Uh, <laughs> finally, Black Adam. This is the last uh, entry into the DCU before the the crisis event that we're about to get to. Uh, it's fine. Yeah, like this is the same sort of... I would watch this again before I watched Man of Steel but I would watch it again potentially because I've already forgotten what happened in it like it's it's so (laughs) yeah it would be like a new experience yeah and just like oh yeah look there's the rock again that's cool I feel feel like I've seen this before because it just doesn't really make an impression Pierce Brosnan's wonderful Mm -hmm. Um, Aldous Hodge is wonderful there's good stuff in it but it again this is another one of those scraping and clawing to reach mediocre yeah and the fact that we have such kind of low expectations be like oh it was fine and then you ask yourself why am i not expecting more from these films and relieved when it's fine yeah may i uh, offer a thought experiment i know please so i propose here that i think black adam is a is the better man of steel when what i mean by that is like yeah i mean i mean i think you all are picking up what i'm putting down but if we if we look at this timeline that you just went through i i honestly think that if we had a black adam style movie but about superman and literally all of the other films happen that is just alluding to maybe a superman exists maybe x y and z if we had just done if we if they had just done a all right we're going to spend a whole bunch of movie piping up a bunch of different heroes and essentially if they even keeping some of the same characterization 
as a through line and being like, hey, Batman's a quasi-conservative, very traumatized CrossFit bro. (laughs) And like having him brought in as, I feel like it would have been a way cooler movie of just, all right, we're going to watch two hours of Henry Cavill just sort of smacking stuff around. Mm. Yeah, I, I think, think you're that totally right. It's got better. the the same kind of Dragon Ball Z style, like big fights. That's one of the only redeeming pieces of Man of Steel. But it's also interesting that you could basically substitute out characters in Black Adam. And like, what if it were Batman instead of Hawkman? What if it were Superman instead of Black Adam? And like, that all seems basically fine, mm. um, which means it doesn't capture what is really essential about any of those characters because it's very much like plug and play by the numbers so a fine blueprint for a kind of paint by numbers movie which is what we're used to when we see like an ant-man sequel or something um but dc hasn't even been able to do that consistently yeah Yeah. i think the key is consistency is what you yeah there's no consistency um but there is something very cool in black adam which i just pulled up and this is one of the reasons that i rewatched portions of black adam aldous hodge who plays hawkman is a horologist he makes watches he designs watches and he makes watches and there's like this like uh series that they do like 10 things i can't live without and most of it is dumb bullshit people are like my shoes or whatever and all most of his 10 things are like things that he uses to make and design watches and so he designed a thanagarian style watch for his character that he wore in uh black adam that's so cool and this is it what a badass i would i would make an alien watch (laughs) i mean it's a great looking watch too that is commitment and like aldous hodge this is you can tell when like he's really he gets the character. He's done his homework. He's not just phoning it in. Um, I'm hoping that he'll be able to get picked up again by Gunn. It would be hilarious if Gunn uses Alice Hodge moving forward and not Dwayne Johnson. Um, but I think he did a really great job. Also, yeah. he's the dude from Leverage. That just still that still boggles my mind. Yeah, and he's also the dude from The Invisible Man, the remake of The Invisible Man. He is the He's like the 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 male protagonist in that movie um, and is very fucking good at it. And his brother is also an actor and they're like both like, well, one of them is like a former professional athlete and they're like jacked as shit. Um, but his brother is in The Tomorrow War, which is not a very good movie <laughs> on Amazon Prime. Uh, OK, so all oh, that, is that that Chris Pratt movie, it's mm-hmm. a Chris Pratt movie with the whites they're, I think they're called the the White Spikes. That's the wow. aliens that come out. They're basically uh, xenomorphs, but instead of black, they're white. Uh, so worse edge of tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, so that's all the context that we need to get into James Gunn's announcement. Chapter one, Gods and Monsters, DC Studios. Um, this thing has been getting absolutely trashed bombed i don't know what he says whenever you want to stop to make a point or emphasize something or bring up something just start talking and i'll pause this here's james gunn looking hella punk here dude 
I'm James Gunn. I'm the co-CEO of DC Studios. So as many of you know, DC has been disconnected in film and television for a long time. And it's one of, you know, he's been doing a lot of this like politicking has been disconnected for a lot, like not a shit show, not a clusterfuck, not several of our, 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 our actors have been implicated in high profile criminal and civil cases. <laughs> like there's, absolute disarray happening at dc studios and he's just like yeah we've we've hit some bumps in the road you know our jobs yeah. mine and peter's is to come in and make sure the dcu is connected in film television gaming and animation that the characters are consistent played by the same actors and it works within one story and if something is outside of that like Matt Reeves Batman or Todd Phillips Joker or Teen Titans Go that it is clearly labeled as DC Elseworlds outside of yes yes continuity. so exciting stop here for a second so two things one that's such a simple statement like things are connected and played by the same actors and that has <laughs> been the bane and the, like the strange paradox that WB has been in for the last 15 years Mm -hmm. of we can't use characters on tv because then they'll be we can't have them in the movies and we'll have different people on tv versus the movies and you'll see like a shot of of a harley quinn jail cell in season three of arrow and then we'll never see her again because we want to use her in the movies instead like just bonkers so like that very simple mission statement so so exciting the other thing that's really exciting is elseworlds i have been banging on about this for now what feels like a decade of there's a very simple blueprint here you even have a cool title with a cool logo to totally leapfrog and avoid all of the nonsense questions about, but how is Robert Pattinson and, and Joaquin Phoenix, how do they fit? And why aren't they together? And why? <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's Elseworlds. Mm -hmm. We have a multiverse. Just yeah. stop worrying about it. And this pr allows us to have creative freedom to just tell the stories we want to tell. And you don't have to, like, fit everything together. And so the fact that James Gunn, super nerd, has come in and gone, we'll just label it the way they label it in the comics, mm -hmm. is such an elegant solution. And it's so mind-boggling that nobody's come up with it until just now. So, like, I'm on board with just hearing Elseworlds. Like, this guy gets it. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's very much, I think, he did the, the thing that I feel like a lot of comic book fans were doing and a lot of fans like us were doing which is like oh marvel figured out the formula in maybe let's say between 2008 and 2000 whenever the uh uh phase one was officially announced as a phase one they went oh yeah just kind of make everything connected a bit and you're good to go like he took the most simple aspects of what marvel has done in the last more than 10 years 15 years i think 10 years yeah about 15 years and gone well y'all they figured out, they did the hard part which <laughs> they did the hard part already yeah and even more so i think he's able to now come in and go what is is potentially i think marvel's buckling under its own weight so the multiverse is an easy way out but they're also still trying to keep everything linked together um and it's becoming bloated and so for him to just have this like just cut the cord and be like look we got our mainline continuity where the same actors play tv movie boom and then if we want to just do like a one-off 
I never have to explain why you don't see Rob Pattinson in other movies. It's Elseworlds. Done. Yeah. And this is like, again, just adopting something that they had to come up with uh, what I, as they were sort of building a comic book empire and going like, uh, we had all these different people working on different stories. We have various continuities. None of them are lining up. Let's just do a black label DC or let's do uh, a year one series or let's do an all star series. Let's do a different. Let's just make it so that <clears throat> we can define what our continuity is. We're not constrained to that. And so as comic books die a slow and painful death, agonizingly in front of all of the people like us who like them, James Gunn is emulating them in different media, which, you know, is good. And I also like that, you know, he's highlighting the interconnectedness of animation, games, uh, movies, television, shit like that, which honestly is something that, we can attribute to George Lucas <laughs> um, mm-hmm. enough. Like huh. he was the, he was doing this where he was like, had this huge headcanon about what all of the sort of star Wars continuity was. So he had like novel series and, and video games. And for a long time, Knights of the old Republic was Canon and vector prime was Canon and all the Thrawn books were Canon and they got recanoned. Although Timothy Zahn had to write three additional books to like retcon his shit. <laughs> and that's kind of what James Gunn is laying out here is like a whole extended universe. And it's going to, borrow from a property that disney owns and they also own marvel and marvel is also doing this it's he's laying out something that exists in multiple worlds also in star trek although i don't know that there are many star trek video games um are are there any star trek video games there's a couple um and but they all always fit together it's a single world i what okay i gotta look those up that would be fun to play now, Peter and I have got- <laughs> a different episode. Yeah, yeah totally different kind of good. Coming out over the next year. First, we have Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Shazam has always been off kind of in his own part of the DCU, so he connects very well. That moves directly into The Flash, a fantastic movie that I... A little bit of shade there about Shazam kind of being off in his own part of the DCEU, a.k.a. the only part that makes sense. The only cohesion mm-hmm. part we're bringing, <laughs> we're taking the the thing that has been the most cast off, and reintegr and centralizing it. Actually, that's a good point. And I want to just like gods and monsters. I think fits in the title of this chapter is what DC does well, and like we always go back to what separates DC heroes from Marvel heroes. Well, they're more Olympian. They're more you know big classic hero style. We can go in two, the two directions that Marvel's having trouble with. Marvel doesn't do big celestial stuff very well. Nobody liked the Eternals. And Marvel can't really do horror all that well. They're trying, but I don't think they're willing to commit because they're owned by Disney. So there's a certain like cap and how like real fucked up they're willing to get. Um, DC is able to push in both directions. And Shazam literally does both of those things. Yeah. He is a god. He has the power of the gods. But it is also like the seven sins and horror ghost monsters in that movie and heartbreaking family trauma. And so they can explore the little pieces of kind of creative space that has always been DC's strength and is the thing that Marvel's going to be least effective at mining first. 
Yeah. But it also seems like James Gunn is doing the the unique thing in just this announcement in what what we've only a minute in. Uh he's already said that he's not making an example of the previous iteration of it. Like the way he said is, oh, we're gonna let uh Fury of the Gods happen and we're letting the Flash happen. In that statement, he's doing something that even Disney doesn't do. One, even no matter how far the project's along, they will cut stuff. Netflix will cut stuff. Disney will cut stuff. James Gunn is like, yeah, we don't have to. We're you know, <laughs> these things are almost done. Let them be out there. Let them be almost done and get them out and actually produce. So I even that announcement makes me think, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, but he must have seen those two movies, though, because he did chop Black Adam like that had come out. He'd been announced. It was in limbo for a long time. And that movie sucked. And so it got the axe. Sure. But he's not going to cut every he he didn't shutter it just because like Shazam 2 would have been easy to shutter after uh, Black Adam. Disney shuttered the entirety of the solo and the lando movies because of one bad solo movie james gunn didn't um, axe the entire side of that project mm-hmm. that is true although isn't donald glover coming back as he's lando? been coming back for a decade like we don't know that's ever gonna actually happen there were rumors about him being prowler like yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah there's also rumors about him being in the marvel universe as well that's true uh okay i really love that resets the entire DC universe. And then to move into Blue Beetle, a fantastic... Uh, just uh, So he's saying that the Flash movie resets the entire DC universe. Wonder what that means. Film about... Well, yeah. What was that? Good. Marvelous part of the DCU. And then into Aquaman 2, which leads directly into our next few projects, which I'm going to tell you about now. So Peter and I, along with a group of very talented writers, have started to map out an eight to 10 year plan of what DC studios will be in film, television, and gaming. This first chapter is called Gods and Monsters. Now this, what I'm about to tell you, is a part of the first chapter. It's not the entire first chapter. The first project is Creature Commandos. Creature Commandos Oh my God! Is what the fuck is this one called? It's Weasel. It's Weasel. Yeah, it's Weasel from uh, the Suicide Squad. <laughs> this is a very James Gunn slate of heroes? Question mark. Is an anime? Yeah, we got Frankenstein. And all the episodes. Oh, that's the Frankenstein. Yeah, it's Frankenstein's monster and the Bride of Frankenstein. Um, like sergeants, like a GI robot or something. Um was i think the name of that character uh and some creatures i do not recognize that one person looks like abe sapien it does doesn't it can't be abe sapien but it certainly looks like it something we're going to do that's a little bit different at dc is we're going to have characters move into animation out of animation usually having the same actor play their voice as who plays them in live action that's very cool yeah to just have like uh whatever steve ag playing uh, a character on in, in in the animated films and then also in live action, which is something that is kind of hard to do uh, because voice acting is seen as sort of like a lesser art. Or Yeah, I think Marvel's kind of broken this open, like with the What If series. Um, and 
And I mean, you look at things like Mario now, where they've they're like, here's a really good voice actor that we're never going to refuse to use, and we'll cast a big name instead. So this is this sort of singularity has been coming for a while. It's funny. It's like it's kind of different doing it at DC because Marvel's literally just done it. But if they can commit to it and really um, just stick with it, they actually have a proven track record with this with John Constantine. That Matt Ryan has been doing that for years. He's been bouncing from animated project to uh, live action. He just showed up in an episode of Harley Quinn. He's been doing their animated Constantine for years. So um, it works, and they know it works, and they know it builds fan and brand loyalty. It's a brilliant idea. Yeah. The next project up is Waller. This is a story of Amanda Waller played by Viola Davis. Viola Davis is going to team up with members of Team Peacemaker. And this is a story that's been created by Crystal Henry, who did Watchmen, and Jeremy Carver, who created the Doom Patrol. It is a fantastic story that's out of this world, and I can't wait for people to see it. Okay. And importantly, uh, he caught a lot of flack for canceling Doom Patrol. That was imputed to him and Peter Safran. So Doom Patrol and Titans... Are, are both got the axe and on social media. I mean, he was tight lipped about all this stuff because, you know, the, the, the people working on doom patrol are still working in the DCU just on different projects now. Um, but it wasn't his decision to cancel those two shows. That is a result of Warner brothers and discoveries continued efforts to balance their books so they're just canceling shit left and right. So they canceled Titans. They canceled uh, a Doom Patrol. They're going to cancel more shit, too. Uh, it's just a matter Isn't of... Superman and Lois supposed to have, like, one or two more seasons? and then get Yeah, that's been on the bubble for a while. Nobody's really sure what's going on with that. But um, this is my coaching tree point again about Jeremy Carver, who also, lest we forget, is a big part of Supernatural, mm-hmm. um, ran that show for a bunch of their, their middle-of-the-late seasons. The fact that Dunn is not just kicking these people to the curb, like he's able to rescue them of, hey, your show got canceled, but we have other work for you to do. You've got proven success. Let's keep you around. DC's never done that before. Yeah. Also, the fact that Crystal Henry, uh, so I just double checking when I heard Watchmen, I was like, wait a minute. So the showrunner and writer for the most recent Watchmen, I think that's a it's an interesting direction away from what Marvel has been doing because what she, what she's allowed to be on screen was a way more revolutionary. Well, revolutionist Mm -hmm. than almost any comic book property I've seen on the screen. Absolutely. HBO Uh, Watchmen was a revelation. It was incredible. And that was, we complained about like, Oh, it's not getting a season two, but also I don't want it to get it a season to get a season two. If they don't have an idea, like it's a perfect single season of television. Um, the fact again, you can grab. Hey, this per- that show captured everyone's attention while it was on. It's like a big deal, and has totally avoided all of the like DC nonsense bullshit of the merger. And, and so, again, rescuing these people who are successful and giving them something new to do is fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Next up is the big one: the true beginning of the DCU. This is called Superman Legacy. This is being written by me. I'm in the middle of it. I'm having a great time doing it. And Superman will be released into theaters July 11th, 2025. 
Okay. The next. So it didn't explicitly say it's based on All Star Superman, but but that's All Star Superman <laughs> included. Yeah, a the cover image of All Star Superman cover of All Star Superman and has been interacting a lot with Graham Morrison on social media. Um, my only hope is that they bring Grant Morrison in as some kind of consultant or or allow them to make or or write anything. And maybe that's in this announcement, but I don't know that they're tied to anything quite yet. July 11th, 2025. Okay, the next thing is a big premiere HBO television series called lanterns this is a story of a couple of green lanterns john stewart and hal jordan and we have a few other lanterns peppered in there but this is really a terrestrial based tv show which is almost like true detective with a couple of green lanterns who are space cops watching over precinct earth in it they discover a terrifying mystery that ties into our larger story of the dcu next is a big how do you feel about this is huge. that? <laughs> yeah. This is yeah, this is really interesting. So the Greg Berlanti got canned here. His series that he's been working on slowly forever. It's not happening. And it's like this real bittersweet moment because that was going to be like an anthology. We we're going to get Alan Scott in it. But we also heard 15 different things about that show. And so the fact that it's getting trashed but immediately replaced by a true detective mystery show. Um this is very exciting and interesting because I think it will probably to avoid the potential problems with Green Lantern on TV, which is cop show, really? <laughs> like, what are we doing with cop shows here? And so to, to put them into, like, investigative detective mode instead of, like, hardcore SWAT law enforcement... It probably helps us move around uh, and, and avoid those issues. And they already proved that they can, well, not prove, but uh, one of the DC animated films that was actually one of the better ones, you know, Emerald Knight. Uh, yeah, Emerald Knights. And the, the big thing, the big conceit with Emerald Knights is it's just a training day ripoff. Like that was <laughs> the whole thing. But, and I think that's an interesting move at the fact that they're like, actually grabbing some of the animated material from previous generations no, so far he hasn't said anything about the previous animated um dc films so it, it seems pretty that's a good sign i think yeah, yeah. i think this is gonna be sweet and and from what i can tell and i i only watch every every third dc animated film that comes out but they're always quality i I feel like that's part of DC you don't really have to fuck with. Like those movies are great. Like we've talked about Gotham by Gaslight was really fun. I liked the Flashpoint uh, movie more than I liked the Flashpoint book. Like those are always (laughs) really uh, interesting to me. And so I hope they don't fuck with that too much. Uh, Here we go. This is this is my favorite one by far. Big movie called The Authority. The Authority is a passion project of mine. It's based on the marvelous Wildstorm characters we are now bringing into the DCU and will interact with all of our primary DCU characters. The Authority are a group of superheroes who think the world is broken and they want to fix it by any means necessary. I think it's a very different look at superheroes. We're doing a television series. So The Authority 
was written by Warren Ellis and it was in the vein of like Garth Ennis's The Boys, a send up of the superhero team. And so you had all these sort of like corollaries. Apollo was a Superman type. You had Midnighter, who was a Batman type. They are in a, a, a relationship together. There's all kinds of like sexual excess. And it the, the difference between Ennis and Ellis's uh, sort of critiques are Ellis is a little more optimistic about what superheroes can be as opposed to Ennis, who thinks that they're you know has a more sort of Alan Moore orientation to them so this is really cool because it will give us this sort of middle space between the sort of glorification of superheroes in popular culture versus the absolute condemnation of superheroes and things like the boys and and invincible and other sort of like deeply nihilistic portrayals of superheroes I can't wait to see what happens with this one this is the kind of story I would love for the original comic creator to write. Like Warren Ellis did Castlevania on Netflix, like is a good screenwriter. And so I don't know how many creators have been attached. He hasn't said anybody, but want to um, fix it. But I can't wait for this one. Any means necessary. And this is also, also. Oh, sorry. yeah, no, this is, this is great because it also, again, you know, despite Marvel and Disney patting themselves on the back every time, they have like a tiny little flag pin on um, America Chavez's jacket or something. You centralize Apollo and Midnighter, and like you get like actual real gay representation in the superhero media on screen, just front and center. Ballsy move. I like it a lot. Yeah. Look at superheroes. We're doing a television series called Paradise Lost. Paradise Lost is a story of Paradise Island, usually known as Themyscira, which is the birthplace of Wonder Woman. It's almost like Game of Thrones with Westeros, but with all of the inhabitants of Paradise Island. The introduction. That's interesting. That is interesting because that is one of the biggest loose ends is where's Gaul? She's not attached to that, doesn't sound like, but the Amazons are still around. That's cool. Yeah, this sounds like a prequel, and this is going to allow them to really mine any Greek mythology stuff they want to do, any God of War style stuff they want to do. This can really be sword and sorcery, and notably, that's going to be an HBO Max thing. Like, what's HBO Max been pumping out well in the last couple of years? They know they can do Game of Thrones stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you go back and look, you figure out why people liked Rome so much, you know, 10 years ago. Um, there's a lot of of potential there and that's going to be essentially an all-female cast like that's a really interesting hook move yeah 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 that's gonna be sweet who who's still is connie Britton still alive is robin wright penn still or sorry robin it doesn't matter because it's probably going to be set prior to and they're they're all essentially immortal so you can do it whenever you want and have them all come back that would be cool if we can get robin wright and connie Britton back and just kind of like ignore gall or be like and Diana's somewhere else, and this story's happening here. Yeah, or a child, or isn't born yet. Don't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or isn't born yet would have to be set like hundreds of years before DC shit. Which again could be super cool to have like that. That's true. Hey, That's true. hundreds of years. Like it. Uh, yeah, DC doesn't have any sense of time in those movies. Yeah, just like bringing Vandal Savage. You know, there's plenty of stuff you can do with like prehistoric DC. 
Yeah. Oh, Vandal Savage would be sick. I mean, he's going to have to chase somebody through time. Like, that's a, that is one of the great stories. He's already gotten Booster Gold. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So he, I know Booster Gold is involved in this. I, I, I want, I want to get to that one. The DCU's Batman is the brave and the bold. The brave and the bold is the story of Batman and his actual son, Damian Wayne. Again, a Frank Quitely cover to Grant Morrison's. Let him, let him finish. Let him finish. This is based on Grant Morrison's great comic book run. Damian Wayne is my favorite Robin. He's a little assassin who Batman tries to get in line. And so this is the story of the two of them and the beginning of sort of the Bat family in the DCU. Next up is a team. That's interesting. Is Grant writing any of this shit? Like the whole, like half of this is based on Grant Morrison's shit. Where, what's the, they write. Yeah, I would. Right. They could just, you could just hire them. I would imagine that Paradise Lost is going to be based on Wonder Woman Earth One even. Yeah. Like there's so much interesting material in those Earth One books. Morrison 63? What? Morrison 63 years old. Morrison seems essentially immortal at ageless. I can never tell. Um, yeah, they have not. But yeah, and it helps when you when you're bald. I think. Um, True. So this is fascinating because we know Gunn's been talking about Morris to Morrison on social media. Morrison has said they love Peacemaker as like it's their favorite superhero piece of television media. Mm-hmm. Um, there's clearly like a love fest between the two of them. It would be bizarre to not have Morrison come in and just like do some of this themselves. Yeah. Or at the very least consult or serve in a David S. Goyer capacity. Yeah. Knowing that even Morrison was just doing that with Ezra Miller. True. Yeah. 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 They both uh, wrote a script that got thrown in the shitter. Uh, None of Grant Morrison's work is, has made it into that film as far as I can tell. But yes, they have been in the fold and they've been writing shit. And, you know, they wrote episodes of Happy, which was based on a mini series that they uh, had with Image Comics back in the day. And that was a really good show. Um, and they were just all over um, Brave New World, the adaptation for Peacock or something. I don't know where it was. Yeah, this is this is the guy we've been waiting for. This is the real this is the money right here. I think I can give you a semi, uh, well, based off of his website. So I quickly went on to Grant Morrison's website right now under uh, his in development section for television. He has an invisibles uh, show in development based off of the comic book series. And what that sort of tells me is that they haven't announced all of the stuff but I think your instinct is right. I think Grant Morrison is now going to be very, very in, in here because I mean, it's, you can look at, yeah, it looks like the invisibles might be a part of this as well, which is going to be nuts. Well, uh, yes. So since that vertigo published that it would have to be through DC. So it would have to be Warner brothers and James Gunn would, um, I, I mean, almost certainly have to be involved. Other thing is that, Famously, they have not tried to adapt the Invisibles because of the Matrix. The Matrix. Um, so I wonder why now they're they're trying that. Um, 
That is interesting, though. I would love that. And especially because it, what like the first season of The Invisibles is going to feel very it's so weird when somebody steals some shit from you. It's going to feel like it's going to feel derivative. <laughs> it's going to feel like they stole this from the Wachowskis when the Wachowskis. Stole, so it's going to be all fucked up. But by the time they get to like the second part of that story where the Matrix Reloader just fucks everything up, then it's going to be like really, really interesting. That's fascinating. Um, so yeah, that that's a good consp- a tinfoil hat moment, but I'm very excited if that's true of that Grant Morrison's just in the background because like half of the stuff is just Frank Quietly art and Grant yeah. Morrison stories. <laughs> uh, okay, here we man of the hour TV series called Booster Gold. Booster Gold is one of comics' really popular cult heroes. He is a fascinating guy. He's a loser from the future who uses future technology to come back to present day and become a superhero so that people will love him. It is basically the superhero story of imposter syndrome on an HBO max series. That's so cool because booster gold is exactly that a cult hero who never read a single, like, uh, you know, single titled comic book. Like I've never read booster gold number 12, but every time Booster Gold pops up in any comic book, I'm so fucking jazzed to see him. That is one of the best untapped fountains of, and it's hard to do because you have to be funny. And typically, and I think this is why you can't really sustain it. It's why you can't sustain a Howard the Duck uh, series as well, is that it's hard to be funny in comic books. And, it usually doesn't happen. Um, and so they'll get somebody like Chip Zardsky to do like a Howard the Duck run for 12 issues. He'll leave. They'll bring someone else in. All of a sudden, it's like cringy and terrible. And that's usually what happens with Booster. Um, Booster got a great treatment in the... What the fuck was it called when Tom King was doing like the... What was that? that we we read Heroes it. in Crisis. Heroes in Crisis. Yeah, he was in Heroes in Crisis. He was really good in that. Tom King, a guy you wouldn't think was funny. Yeah, weirdly. Um, but this is interesting because Legends of Tomorrow, which got canceled, the last thing they did before getting canceled was introduce Booster Gold. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was Donald fun. Faison was, yeah, uh, Donald Faison. Gold. And we were all like, oh, does this mean um, the other guy from uh, Scrubs is going to be uh, Blue Beetle? <laughs> um, and then it, the Zach show got canceled. Braff, yeah. yeah, Zach Braff. Zach Braff, Blue Beetle. Great idea. Um, but Obviously, they're doing it. the other Blue Beetle for this movie that's coming out, the Latino uh, young Blue Beetle instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but I very much doubt that Faison's going to be back. I think the Legends Tomorrow cast is truly done. But it, Booster Gold's the perfect James Gunn character. Mm-hmm. He's goofy, like he's emotionally vulnerable. Um, this is the kind of humor that Chris Pratt attempts and usually fails to hit with Star Lord. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, although wouldn't put it past Gunn to cast Chris Pratt to play Booster Gold. Oh, yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, he'd, he'd probably be a good Booster Gold. Gold. Yeah, I hate that. That's right. Yeah, Pratt. Pratt's gonna be in the DCU. There's no, there's yeah. no question about that. It's just a question of 
who's Brad going to play? Uh, and the answer is Booster Gold. You're right. <laughs> one of my favorite comic book series from last year was Tom King's run on Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. And so we're going to turn that into a big science. I mean, like, it's not even, you can't give him credit for being smart. He's just taking all the best shit. He's just taking the Tom <laughs> picking the the Grant Morrison. He's steering away from the Jeff Johns. Like, he's just take. he's doing the smart thing. These stories already exist. Like, that was... Yeah, just... and. Yeah, and he's just name dropping like, hey, I, and this is part of like building goodwill of we're not trying to like do a Hollywood treatment of this hero. We're just going to take an existing story that people like and nerds like and just do it on screen. Yeah, because why not? Yeah. What's the best Marvel movie? The Winter Soldier that is closest to Ed Brubaker's really good run of that book. Just do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, like, that's what Batman the Animated Series did. It just took stories mm -hmm. from the comics and animated them and it was like oh this is like the best television show of all time how did they do this it's like oh yeah they just stick the best stories written about the best character from dc and animated it very simple concept um if james gunn is able to do that same thing and become like an emmy printing machine like it will be <laughs> wild if they just and i know the emmys aren't the oscars but if he's under their like, like hey if you want to make award-winning television series here we go yeah no you're right and interestingly tom king was in a writer's room for like a year or something with um ava uh, what's her name thank you ava duvernay trying to write new guts yeah and that got canceled and there was a bunch of bullshit about well now that Zack Snyder made Darkseid in his Snyder Cut we can't do New Gods which is such a you know again old outmoded thinking from the previous administration but it's another example of Gunn just plucking these people back and go hey I know not only are you a popular comic book writer you've done some work for us before in treatments let's pull your work and give you something to do yeah for sure it's fiction epic film now, Superman is a guy who was sent to Earth and raised by loving parents, where Supergirl in this story, she is a character who was raised on a chunk of Krypton. She watched everybody around her perish in some terrible way. So she's a much more jaded character. And that brings me to Swamp Thing, the last thing we're going to talk about, Correct. a very dark horror story in the origins of the monster who is Swamp Thing. And although it's totally outside of the rest of the DCU, it will still feed into the rest of the stories. Anyway, those are the stories that I can tell you about right now. I've loved the DC characters since I was a child. They're incredibly important to me. I knew that this was a once in a lifetime opportunity to do something very different. One of the things that's very important for me in all of these movies and TV series is that the director's vision and the vision of the writers and all of the creators is unique. And something special. Storytelling is always king. That's all that matters to us. And I want to be true to those stories. I want to be true to you guys and really give you something different than you've ever seen before. Anyway, thank you, everybody. I appreciate you watching. I hope this was exciting for you because it's really exciting for me. And I can't wait to start to dive into these stories with you guys on this grand adventure. Thank you so much. That unique thing was like a low-key shot at Zack Snyder. All their movies can't be gray. They can't look. I think it's also a shot at. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's also a shot at Marvel. Of True. we're going to make make these different. We're not going to homogenize them. We're not going to make them all have the exact same sense of humor. They're going to feel um, unique. 
And it's so funny that like the unique, new, all new, all different thing is just what if we didn't try to cut and massage and like sculpt the story from the book? What if we just took the story from the book and did it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Why don't we just do that? And they're all going to be totally different, but still exist in the same world, which gives you, I think, the antidote to the cookie cutter superhero fatigue of every one of these Marvel movies feels the same. Yeah, I, I just going off of that, what you're saying is, I think Marvel wrote themselves into a into the same corner that all of the comic book world did when they decided to do crisis after crisis. Mm-hmm. The fact that James Gunn is saying, here's Elseworlds, there'll be a way. There'll be a way for stuff to interact, whatever. But with Marvel, they never explored the idea of how do we continually have these various pockets in the universe all right just say there's a multiverse and then keep going it just i i yes, think this is that's exactly very... right yeah they're stuck now and it all feels exactly the same way it's like we can't have stories that feel really tonally or really exist in different genres without being like that's our let that's our multiversal horror world uh, and they're like they're gonna try with stuff like blade eventually but being able to start from the ground up and go we're gonna build in from from the get-go flexibility to allow creators to tell very different stories um, in the same world is very exciting. Yeah. So we were going to do trash or good on all of these stories. I, 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 I don't know, but my, I'm taking the temperature here. Most of these are goods. I don't know yes. that there's any trash here. So I think, uh, what are we most excited about, and what do we not give a shit about? Um, I I don't care. I th- think Creature Commandos is probably going to be funny, but I don't care. Yeah, this seems like this seems like an easy win. This seems like something that James Gunn can write pretty quick. I mean, he's a very fast writer, mm-hmm. uh, and so he's writing this seven part series of like goofballs, probably twenty minute episodes. And they send it off to an animation team to churn them out and throw them on HBO Max. The other thing about this, too, is like they just need content on that fucking yeah. platform, especially as it transitions to becoming Max and drops the HBO part. And everybody has to download new, uh, like the app again and re-up their membership and, and, and figure out whether or not they want to keep it. And it's like, well, what's on there? Because they're ditching so much shit. And so... It, that is what Creature Commandos strikes me as, like a very easy W that will be interesting for people to watch. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, Waller, I'm very excited about. Yeah, it's going to be sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. Jeremy Carver is like my least favorite of the Eric Kripke coaching tree on Supernatural, and his stuff is still better than most other people's television. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Doom Patrol... I never watched it. Was it because I read conflicting reports about the quality of the show? Um, do you feel I love Doom Patrol? I watched the first two seasons. I haven't. I fell off of it. I have to finish it now. But um, I think it's great. And it's it's very much not a superhero show. It's like a bunch of messed up people trying to like uh, kind of navigate their way through therapy, basically. And there are monsters. And it feels, despite Morrison having nothing to do with it, it's able to adapt like the truly wacky, unhinged content in early Morrison Doom Patrol um, into something that's visually interesting. 
It's got Flex Mentallo in it. <laughs> I'm the Society of Dada. Like, yeah. it, the fact that they've decided they they were able to make a surrealism work in superhero form is just like, okay, yeah, <laughs> well done, Super Troll. That- I'm, worth, I'm watching the current season, and it's actually... The, the thing that I think they've done there is one of my favorite jabs is the fact that every season, every so often, the Doom Patrol folks will just be like, yeah, but really, why are we doing this? And the only reason that they keep on getting brought into it is because it's like, look, it's not your fault. This is attached to you intrinsically. That's the only reason why you're handling this, which I'm like, they they answered. They answered a thing that Ant-Man wasn't able to answer or anything. I'm, I'm comparing it all to marvel and disney plus but like they can't really explain why anybody except for a certain select group of marvel heroes dc can yeah it's like this is just too weird for anybody else to handle and it's your flavor of weird but they're like not a superhero team and so it's really interesting and that's what we keep talking about of like having it feel really different uh yeah great show yeah it's gonna be sweet superman legacy is gonna be sweet it's weirdly I'm least excited about this because it's just like another Superman thing, but it's also he's writing guns, writing it. It's a Morrison story. It's going to be good. Yeah. All-star Superman is there. I mean, I think Grant Morrison did the impossible in writing an interesting Superman story, especially (laughs) when, when they did, because when they did that, it was like, like reading Superman was like jury duty. (laughs) You just had to do it because people, uh, because he was important. Like, but but nothing in the last 20 years since he fucking died uh, was any good. And the Superman stories just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And Grant Morrison is like operating in a different plane of reality, literally and figuratively. And so they were able to diagnose like, okay, all these Superman stories are horrible. Let's let me figure out how to make an interesting one. And (laughs) it's weird how elegant the solution was of let's make Superman nice. (laughs) That was was the solve. It's like, oh, all these stories is like dark and shitty and weird and blue electric or, or like red electric or he's like fucking metal no superman is nice because he's better than all of us and yeah, and this is what superman and lois is doing on tv is like tyler hecklin is just like a nice dude and it feels revolutionary somehow yeah so i i am excited to see a good super because i i've never really like i don't know did, did do you all like the donner movie no, I mean Christopher Reeve's adorable, but their movies aren't like good. Yeah, those movies are. I, I like, I like the first two. Like the first two are very. You can see why they took off, and it is very feel good. Like the whole, the whole thing is. Or the whole oh wow he's abusing his powers, he's not like. It's not the boys. He's being like, oh, well, okay, I'll abuse my power real quick so this my colleague doesn't get shot. All right, solid dude. Superman's yeah. a solid dude. Well done. Yeah, even outside of the quality of those movies, Christopher Reeves like established the standard of he's just like a good person. And like you just gotta you have to keep coming back to that. And so there's a reason Henry Cavill's not 
doing this. He's not a good person. Yeah. Um, lanterns. My take on lanterns. Uh, this is probably the pitch they they gave in the room. Let's make space cops uh, guys that can do crazy shit with energy in space. We're guardians, galactic police sectors, but let's make it grounded by having like a true detective sort of aura to the to 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 sort of bind things and ground them in reality. Um, I the 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 point that you made about propaganda, I think, is interesting. The only interesting part of police work is detective work. Because it's mm-hmm. not it's not like it's about people solving a mystery. And that's what's interesting about Knives Out. And it's obviously something that people have an appetite for contemporarily. Like mystery stories are back in, and the figure of the detective is 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 so divorced from like the police officer, so much so that there were like detective bureaus that were separate from police officers. And so I think that that is a really interesting way to frame these space police. It's like space police, not space detectives trying to figure mm-hmm. out thing after it's already happened, not patrolling, not preemptively patrolling communities of like vulnerable brown aliens, just, you know, uh, solving a mystery in, in the classic sort of Sherlock Holmes way. I think that'll be interesting. Um, and to have that sort of grit to it too. Um, Grant Morrison was writing a, a Green Lantern run that had that where it was even like Hal Jordan like washed up on the desert somewhere and was like trekking and seeing like mirages and shit. I think that's really cool. Uh, yeah, and I think they can like they can start there, have them discover whatever big bad is in, is in chapter one and then do Blackest Night in like chapter three, like get it's go circle back around the other piece of what makes Green Lantern interesting, which is Star Wars, basically. <laughs> Yeah, is the big bad swamp thing? What's this? no? It's no way. Um, he said like a big, big gods and monsters. Yeah, I don't know. And maybe it's gonna be like uh, it could be star uh, like a another star thing. Yeah, maybe it's like um, what's what's Raven's dad? Tri- oh, Trigon. Uh, Trigon, like some kind of like Trigon demon. Season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not 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 Bash the Stampede. Um, yes, it could be some kind of like demon creature. Uh, which would be a very cool intro to Justice League Dark if they do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the authority I already talked about. That's gonna be fucking awesome. Paradise. Lost. I'm so stoked about Paradise Lost. I think that's just a great idea. Yeah, super, super cool idea. Just like yeah, a part of the DCU that's cool, just by itself without any connections to any other things that are going on. A quick dub again for HBO Max. I think that's gonna be great. God, the brave and the bold. That's going to be fun. The casting is going to be key. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to get the the dynamic right. And you've got to find somebody who is just a stone cold sociopath for, for Damien. I, um, I think it's going to be almost all child sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's because it can't be Timothy Chalamet. You know, it's going to be too old. <laughs> it's got to be some little freaky kid. Yeah, because all the kid actors, none of them like make sense. Like, I don't want to see Finn Wolfhard as Damian Wayne. I don't want to see uh-huh. Jacob Tremblay as Damian Wayne. I don't. I, I, Who's the kid who plays Young Sheldon? I think that's Jacob Tremblay. 
Is that Jacob Tremblay? Okay. I actually would say he would make an interesting Damian Wayne. Maybe. Well, Maybe. just the stilted delivery. Yeah, like, no, yeah, like creepy is. You, you have a point. Creepy child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that could work. Except he's gotten bi- a lot bigger recently. You know who would have been a great Damian Wayne if they made this 30 years ago would be Edward Furlong. That kid was like punk as shit. Anybody who could play the crow could probably be David. Yeah, I think you're right. So it's interesting, like, how old do they make Batman? Like, is it going to be, it's going to be yet another Batman? They should just cast Jensen Ackles at this point. Like, if they want to do the, like, voice actor to on screen, back and forth and back and forth, he's getting old enough now. Um, and he's already done some voice work. I think he's too young. This movie's not going to come out for another five years. Uh, yeah, you might be right. I, I think he's too young. I don't know. I think, I think that the, I think the twist might be that it's Affleck. Oh, that's interesting. Because he would be the perfect age to have Damien. This is a really interesting point. I like that uh, Gunn talked about the interaction of the Bat family specifically, because especially given the run this is based on, this leaves room for Batman Inc. This leaves room for a lot of extended Bat characters. Yep. Um, and there's such a such a fan support for like Nightwing and the Gotham Knights folks, to the extent that, and this is a good way to roll them all into the big screen. So it's going to be sweet. Yeah, Affleck's an interesting choice. Like um, Keaton's too old. Yes. Uh, He's a great. And I think, yeah, right. So, yeah, that'd be sweet. I, I'd be down with Affleck coming back. Rest and in I... peace, but I think, honestly, the best ba- the best Bruce Wayne in that particular context, I think, could have been Kevin Conroy. Yeah, well. I, I know, yeah. re- but, like, he's yeah. he's been my live-action Batman pick for a while. Ever since I figured out he was jacked, I was like, yes, you could be Batman. Anyway. Gunn would have definitely put him in as like an honorary if they did a Batman Inc. He would have been like the Batman. oh absolutely yeah. But the the because the, the other thing too right so if you have Damian Wayne in in your continuity and your James Gunn that means you also have maybe Jason Todd I don't know you maybe. definitely have Tim Drake and you definitely have Dick Grayson who has Barbara Gordon Batman, who has become Batman before right so if you have the brave and the bold, the introduction of Batman or the Bat family, and you have Affleck as Batman, and you also have Dick Grayson as like the 30 mid 30s, you know, whatever Nightwing, you can promote him as the continuity progresses. And then you can also have like this Affleck reclamation moment type of thing. I think Ackles would be too, he's right in the middle. He'd be too old. Yeah. He's not, he's too old to be Nightwing, but yeah. Yeah. We need to like, find something for him to do. We need us. He's definitely going to be in this too because there's going to be. I think there's going to be a lot of. It would shock me. I don't know who the creative team around the authority is. It doesn't say here. It would shock me if it's not somebody tangentially or directly involved with the boys. I yeah sure shocked if they don't take a meeting with Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Uh, to produce some of this shit because they're like comic book geeks and. I think Gunn is going to go around and find and pluck Ava DuVernay back out of the, you know, comic book jail and get Goldberg and Rogan and get all these people. and put Maybe them get a Gail Simone in there. Is she, yeah, sure. she definitely down 
She's definitely down. And there's so much, there's so much here, and there's so little creative teams attached. Um, so that 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 would be cool. Uh the Batman sequel, which is again Elseworlds, is coming out. That's cool. Teddy, how'd you how'd you like the Batman? Did we already talk about this in person in the real world? Uh in the real world, I think we talked about it a little bit after because we saw it together. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I, no, it was Prince B because then we hang out afterwards, and then Prince B refused to talk about it. Was that that night? Yes, because yeah, because there was a person he was supposed. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, so we we weren't allowed to talk about it. We were explicitly banned from talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I liked a lot of the Batman. Um, one of the things that it kind of I thought made its best portion is saying, yeah, Batman's a detective, but he's also a human being. Like this is like this Batman, the Batman was one of the first times on screen in a long time that you're like, Oh, Batman's just like also a dude. Like he's like, he's fallible. He's not the, like he actually makes some specific mistakes and he's kind of an idiot. Like, yeah, like throughout the movie, he's kind of stupid. Mm -hmm. Uh, which I actually highly enjoy and that added to a lot of its commentary my biggest issue with it and it's going to sound so odd but it was too long for what it was supposed to be like Mm. if it was it was trying to be Citizen Kane but it could have been Mr. Smith goes to Washington you know like you're totally right it did not need to be three hours long well here's a fucking deal if you go on the Criterion channel, they have a collection of noir films. Traditionally, noir movies are the shortest movies of all time. Mm-hmm. They're like 80 minutes. To 90 yeah. minutes long. I watched one yesterday called Force of Evil. Fantastic movie. 76 minutes long. What the fuck was Matt Reeves thinking? You can't you yep. do that for three hours. It's exhausting. The twist exactly turns and the like the how fast they're talking the whole time. It's just an assault on your senses. And that's why they were always so goddamn short. It's like, hey, we can't at a, at a certain point, we're violating the Eighth Amendment here. Like you can't just be fast talking and <laughs> killing for three hours. <laughs> no one's going to be able to keep up with you. Uh, but I do. Again, they they're letting the fact that, again, they're letting the Batman sequel still happen what 2025 it's supposed to be released and so that that's plenty of time for them to have said we're canceling it because we're doing a whole new run like they're actually letting this play out which i think is going to be in a really great uh boon for them moving forward yeah great and this is a, a great quote here also kind of a shot at Zack snyder 2025 is going to be a very big year for dc superman and batman within the same year but markedly not in the same movie we don't need that yet uh supergirl all this shit is is so cool uh, everything's gonna be so fucking cool and oh, yeah, like, this is great yeah Sorry, when they have casts and stuff it's gonna be such a huge thing and they can give opportunities to new up-and-comers we can get some old some old heads in there, some old, uh, some people who haven't done superhero movies or people who got burned early in the Marvel run. I always think about people like that, where it's like, 
man, wouldn't it be cool if Tim Roth could come back? Or like, wouldn't it be cool if like some of these actors, wouldn't it be cool if Ed Norton could come back? Because apparently he's not a dick anymore. Like, wouldn't it be cool if he could be in the DCU playing one of these characters? If he's Swamp Thing and he has like a whole Tyler Durden shit. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. Ed Norton as Alec Holland is actually a really good idea. Yeah. I you know what I would love to see in this new kind of direction going along with what you're saying uh mouse yeah uh if they bring back some of the directors that were burned by marvel yeah. so a shade movie made by oh god his name I, I it was on the tip of my tongue and it left uh baby driver uh the cornetto trilogy oh edgar wright edgar wright an edgar just an edgar wright straight up heist movie if in the dcu would be if he did catwoman or like any mm-hmm. of these super thieves, it would be astounding. Yeah. 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 You can do a good heist smash and grab type of film. Uh, and also he vibes with James Gunn because there's going to be so much fucking music. Also, the soundtracks are going to be off for the goddamn mm-hmm. chain. I'm excited. Um, real quick, as sort of final and breaking news, uh, James Mangold is in ta- early talks to the direct swamp thing. Oh, okay. Just as an example, so this is uh, Logan, and he's just doing the Indiana Jones thing coming out. And so, like, they're already casting nets for who's successful, who's not currently tied up for life with Marvel, who's done something superhero adjacent but is not busy anymore, wants a second shot at it. So, this is going to be sweet. I think this is going to be a fuel. And again, assuming this stuff all actually comes out, we're going to be eating good. Yeah. Have you, have you, it's just speaking of, because I love this story. Have you heard this the George Lucas Indiana Jones story? No. Oh, let's happened? let's finish with this. Go ahead. George Lucas, a famously petulant child man, man child, uh, was like going to be involved because it had been involved with Steven Spielberg. They're good friends in Indiana Jones for you know since the Raiders of the Lost Ark came out, um, and so there was no sort of question moving forward that. Lucas and Spielberg would be back at it with Indiana Jones number five. Um, they start the pre-production process and they're talking about you know, probably James Mangold is in that room. A bunch of people are in the room trying to break the story and uh, Lucas hates where it's going. And it's like all of these new ideas, stuff that doesn't vie with him. Um Presumably not enough lizards, not enough CG snakes, like not enough <laughs> Uh, racist people uh, actors Um, and so George Lucas literally says that he's taking his ball and going home he walks out of the room and he does not return he said I'm taking my ball going home and he left Indiana Jones and his buddy Steven Spielberg high and dry what how that's crazy. That's wild. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that man has more money than God and doesn't need to be involved in anything. But maybe he should just like have stayed home to begin with instead of going roof in the first place. It it, it just it, it it makes me like visualize a man who's so out of touch in a room with a bunch of people who like know what a good movie is, saying all these ideas. And he's like, no, 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 this is horrible. This is terrible. What are you talking about? There's no lizard. <laughs> There's no CG snakes. <laughs> when do we fight Russians? It's like, it's not Russians anymore. We got to fight somebody. 
Can we fight Nazis again? Do we still fight Cubans? <laughs> well, as long as uh, James Gunn doesn't hire uh, George Lucas to write lanterns, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> Could you imagine? They are bringing him back into Star Wars. We'll talk about Andor. Uh, have you finished Andor? Not yet. Okay. We'll talk about that next week, perhaps, if I'm done. We'll, t- we'll talk about it soon. Um, but that... Eddie, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. Um, supersized episode. Uh, if you want to hear more from Teddy, well, you're going to because he's going to be here more, more frequently because we love him. But uh, email us at uh, you know, is this just bad at, at gmail.com. Teddy, you do not need to email us, but anybody who has feedback, feel free to do so. Uh, but don't contact us on social media. Get off of social media. Bye. Is this just bad? Bad? It's like my pirates board your brain, robbing knowledge, no joking. Opening your mind with a crowbar till you're woken, hitting Hydra, hailing hairs, hyper time for hella reasons. We're more than winter soldiers, with the men for all seasons. Listen closely while we share our expertise in cosmic comics culture. Dean is free tuition to the multiversity. Mouse is psycho teaching perfect balance when we snap infinite gems into your ears. Dust our shoulders when we speak. Purple members, ways and feet. Or Randy Savage rattles with their mortal technique. Ooh.